Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to worship at the altar of music and comedy. The giddiness and the harmony of a well-crafted comedy song brings great joy in abundance. Join the tinkling talents of David Thames and me, Phil Nickel. Sit back, turn it up, and enjoy. Songs in the Key of Laugh. Songs in the Key of Laugh. Songs in the Key of Laugh. Episode yeah. 3, Series 2. I'm Phil Nickel. And I'm David Timms. And here back with us again. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to all of our patrons. Thanks to uh, uh, all the coffees that people bought us. It's just, it's just been exceptional. Hasn't I it? mean, I, I've never drunk so much coffee. <laughs> it's, been, it's been glorious. You're, I do, now, you, you've got a kid now. so you must, I do. Do, do you survive on coffee to keep yourself I awake? have no choice but wow. to drink, uh, drink many a coffee through. Throughout the day, I never used to. Yeah, no, but now, now I have to. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to support the show and David and his child, uh, <laughs> go to coffee.com forward slash songs in the key of laugh and, and help us out. Buy him a coffee, buy him many coffees. Yeah, um, it's weird. It's weird. It must be weird having a, a baby. Uh, I mean, I, I have nieces and nephews. Like I have, well, I have uh, four nieces in one family, and they have children. So I have like thirteen great. Grand nieces, great grand nieces, great not great grand 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 nieces, grand nephews, grand grand nieces, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll but but I find, that. but because because the show is about musical comedy and comedy songs and everything, children's songs are do kind of fit into that novelty, and they tip over into actually hysterically funny or funny for children, you know, poo poo fart songs, poo poo fart songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I absolutely. I'm I'm at the moment. I'm singing. I'm singing. Um, your daddy's got to tickle your chest. Hurrah, hurrah! Because my baby can't actually just lie on my chest because because I've got a hairy chest. Well, um, well. so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to come back to that. Uh, also on today's show, we've got the comedy song contest. Yes. Uh, well, it's actually a competition. No, well, yes, we'll find out. I well, guess. we will do, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, we're also uh, writing a musical, aren't that's, we? That's yeah. right. We ditched everyone that's been listening. We've ditched the uh, quickfire parody game, uh, Standby Bees, and and we'll <laughs> and we're going to be writing the third song of our musical. It's very exciting, and the musical I think now is called. Desert Island Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And we're, we've also got an interview, as always, for you. Interesting. Um, inter- very interesting. We interview. should trigger one right now and say if you're not a fan of the C word, the C word is going to crop up in this. But it's actually the K word because our guest spells it that way because he is Cunt and the, the Gang. gang. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to call you Cunt. The entire time, or would you prefer to be called K Man? Oh, I'll leave it up to you. If you think your listeners can handle an hour of cunt, because <laughs> I, I sort of think once I start talking about the songs, it sort of gra- it very quickly it, it, goes downhill anyway. So I think it, you might right. as well just give them a baptism of cunt from the start. May as well go cunt, f- cunt straight in with cunt. Go f- D- full, c- full cunt. I think hundred percent. Yeah, cunt. full, full on cunt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to come back with some cunt later. Um, <laughs> no, I, we, but yeah. until then, we're going to talk about kids' kid songs. songs. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. 
Yeah. Now, kids' songs are a funny one, though, because, I mean, it's, uh, first of all, it's the songs we all learn when we grow up. Like, everyone knows Inky Dinky Spider and... Inky know? Dinky Spider? Isn't it Inky Dinky? What do you call it? Incy Wincy. Oh, is it Incy Wincy? Maybe it's different in Canada, in Canada. Incy Wincy Spider. Maybe it is Incy Wincy Spider. Maybe it is. Maybe I just thought it was Inky Dinky. Is <laughs> <laughs> Incy Wincy... It's definitely Incy Wincy Spider. Oh, right. Climbed up the water spout. Yeah. Right, okay. okay, cool. Who actually sat down one day and went, that's a great lyric? <laughs> I and don't I, know. I've actually messed it up and gone, Inky Dinky Spider. <laughs> Rinky Dinky Spider. Rinky Dinky. Is it under copyright? Are we allowed to talk about it? Uh, probably, <laughs> probably not. But I mean, there's been some, <laughs> there has been some great songwriters. Well, the Beatles wrote Octopus's Garden. That's. Uh, yeah, Yellow, uh, Sub- Yellow Submarine. Uh, Yellow Submarine is actually about drugs. Would you say that Octopus's Garden is a is, is a kids song? No, but it's got a, It's very childlike, though. I'm, yeah, well, Ringo Starr wrote it. Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I, I he have was a great a... swimmer. <laughs> Ringo <laughs> was he sure. really? Yeah, but I mean, John and George were the stronger swimmers of the Beatles, right? <laughs> but, but but Ringo Ringo was had a lush backstroke. <laughs> I've got a theory that any time that Ringo used to bring a song in to see the band, he go, oh, guys, I've, I've got a new song. George, George, will you listen to it? George, uh, uh, no, give it to Paul. That was my that was my accent. Did you like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then Paul would have a, uh, have a look at it and they'd just laugh at him constantly. So they've got that one. They've also got uh, Don't Pass Me By. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's another another banger. I, Could... think, I think Don't Pass Me By is one of the better ones. He does. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, strong songs. Strong, strong songs. Strong songs. Johnny, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Johnny yeah. Cash is a children's album. What's you wouldn't what's think the, men, the Men in Black? Really? Yeah, I, men, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's got him on the cover with a great big clown's nose as well. That's terrifying. Oh, I'm making that up. <laughs> 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 but I mean, there's Sesame Street. Uh, you know, there's the Muppets. SpongeBob has an album. Like, I mean, if you look at the just the extraordinary amount of. Uh, comedy songs. Jonathan Richman, uh, the famous, you know, like t- punk rocker, you know? Jonathan yes, Richman? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was, he was a punk rocker. He came out of the CBGB's uh, punk rock movement. But he's got songs like I'm a Little Dinosaur, I'm a Little Airplane. I, I had I had a, a guy come up to me uh, who'd been listening to the podcast and uh, and he said to me, um, <clears throat> David, you haven't done any Jonathan Richman yet. I went, um, okay, I'm going to do some research. And then today, today his name's popped up. That, oh, was, really? that was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. But Jonathan Richmond was one of the biggest influences on our group, Corky and the Juice Pigs. Um, his, his just his um, honest, so he's created a character and he's just so honest and earnest to that character that he, he can get a group of adults singing a song about an ice cream man. <laughs> now ice cream man. I just, I just love the, uh, the gleefulness, childish glee. In fact, all of Jonathan Richmond's songs are imbued with that kind of... He sings about corner shops, uh, roller coasters, airplanes. I mean, little dinosaurs. Um, it's really good for kids. Yeah, uh, there's lots of, lots of children's songs that have actually done really, really well as well. If you think of Bob the Builder... That, yeah. got, that got that got a Christmas number one, I think. Uh, yeah, was it Christmas? I think it, so. Yeah. yeah, it beat. It actually beat. I know this. It beat Westlife's. Oh, what was the name of the Westlife song? It beat Westlife out. I mean, it doesn't matter what the song was. Probably I know. wasn't very good. Yeah. in comparison to that one. Well, who's still working? Bob the Builder. <laughs> 
we're missing one really obvious one here, Phil. What's that? Baby Shark. <laughs> I don't know Baby Shark. How can but... you not know Baby Shark? <laughs> I don't know Baby Shark. You... I know like songs from the Little, Little, Littlest Mermaid. Is it? No, from it's that not the Littlest movie? Mermaid. But you you don't know the names of any of these things. Baby Shark. How's it go? It's, it go. Uh... Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, mommy shark, do do do. And so on and <laughs> wow. so forth. Wow, it's had over a billion hits. Now, well, that's obvious. Why? Every single child, literally on the globe, knows that song. Uh, well, not me. Well, <laughs> you're not a child. That's how I was because because I, I, I didn't. Yeah, but I wasn't. We didn't really listen to stuff. I was listening to hymns. <laughs> Like, baby Jesus, (laughs) baby Jesus, baby Jesus, baby Jesus, mommy Jesus. (laughs) Mommy Jesus. (laughs) I'll tell you what, actually, a friend of mine um, did have to do a church version of that for Christmas. Yeah. And it probably would have been almost exactly like that. I guess sharks can be Christians, too. I think there's certainly an alternative playlist that you can play for children, like so you don't actually drive yourself crazy listening to Daddy Finger or, you know, the songs. And and that's why I like Jonathan Richmond because when I hang out with my brother's children or my brother's grandchildren, um, I get they get the guitar out and they make me play for them, and I'm able to play songs like by Jonathan Richmond. I'm a little airplane now, now. 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 I said a wang any wang, wing any wang. I'm a little airplane now. Since baseball park, it goes right through the dark. I know how it goes. <laughs> I say, oh, say, I'm a little airplane now, now. I'm a little airplane now, now. I said a wang and Wang, rang it wang. I'm a little airplane. One more time. I said I'm a little airplane now, now. I'm a little airplane now, now. Oh, I'm a little airplane now, now. I'm a little airplane now, now. I said a wang it a wang, wang it a wang. I'm a little airplane now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got something reasonably like similar to that now. I find it fascinating how uh, melodies can be reused over and over and over again. Um, I'm talking in particular, there's, um, uh, do you know Head, Shoulders, Knees and Toes? Yes. Okay. Do you know what that's originally, what that song originally is? Uh, Shampoo commercial? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, originally a song called um, There is a Tavern in the Town. There is a tavern in the town. So it started off as like a pub song. Oh, yeah. And it's ended up being being a kid's show, which, um, yeah, is about about all your body parts. I'm going to do another one, which was originally, I think, written in the First World War. um, But it had different words, as you can fully believe. Um, This is the this is the children's version. So do your ears hang low? Do they wobble to and fro? Can you tie them in a knot? Can you tie them in a bow? Can you throw them over your shoulder like a continental soldier? Do your ears hang low? Of course. Now, I know that song from the rude version. 
And what what would that be? Well, it's about you, you replace the word ears with balls. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Should we sing that one? Here yeah. we go. Do your, your balls, balls hang low? Do they wobble to and throw? Can you tie them in a knot? Can you tie them in a bow? Can you throw them over your shoulder like a continental soldier? Do your balls hang low? It always reminds me of that goes, um, Hit Hitler has only got one ball. Goring has two, but very small. Himmler has something similar, but poor old Gorbel has no balls at all. <laughs> it's time for our. It's what, time what for our that? comedy song. What? <laughs> I sing like an American announcer. It's time now for the comedy song contest. It's a competition. It's uh, no. it's time for the songs in the Key of Love comedy song contest. We we have great submissions. Keep them coming in. Uh, the comedy song contest. This week's submission is by a guy called Ashley Freeze. Uh, he actually did a song in our first comedy song competition, he did. didn't he? But this song is called Glimmer of Romance. Sexy green hair, old lady with your prescription underwear. <laughs> your skin's so wrinkly and creased. Oh, how I love a gal who's not quite yet deceased. <laughs> old lady, my eyes grow misty over you. Your cataracts detract me. <laughs> oh, it would really be a thrill to share your pension and get mentioned in your will. <laughs> I'll take you higher than your stellifs. Oh, say you'll let me be Lips were made for licking, and it makes my pulse rate quicken when your pacemaker starts to kick in. Your temperament is bold and fiery, your pubic hair is old and wiry. Let's get naked, hot and oily. I'll put my bollocks on your doily. Oh, lady, apparently I don't even know your name. Is it Edna or Mary? Gladys, I don't care, it's all the same. I bet it's been 30 years since you last came. Now it's a glimmer of romance, so please put down your silver frame. Let's misbehave until you're in your grave. So give your chin a shame. So get your comedy song contest submissions into songs in the key of laugh at gmail.com. That's correct. Yes, it is a competition. Um, so please do send in those submissions. Yes, there is actually contest uh, prizes. And there is competition winners. <laughs> <laughs>
So, we've ditched the uh, quickfire parody round. We have ditched it. And we've replaced it with David and Phil Improvise a Musical. Yes. And so each week I take a dictionary, we open the dictionary, put my finger down, word comes up, we improvise a song, and we're somehow going to write a musical. <laughs> we are, yeah. Uh, so so yeah. How, how have we have we done so far then, Phil? Well, first week we had Monsoon and we had David and Phil, great character names. They were stuck uh, yeah. in a boat yeah. uh, heading towards Monsoon, trying to go away from Monsoon. And the second week... Um, we had uh, we went Dave, back to the mainland. Went back, main, that's right. And it was David's fiance and her father arguing about which one of them that she wants should marry because David is a juggler and Phil is in financial services. And then we, at the end of that week, I believe we went back to the desert island where David and Phil were coming around, and that's where we're at. That is that's where we're at at the moment. And I think that's where we got the. I mean, the working title for the musical is Desert Island Desert Island Dicks. <sighs> that, that's the working title. So. Open the dictionary. You can hear That's it here. the dictionary. You can hear it. Put the finger down. And the word is noodle. 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 Okay. Cool. All right. Noodle. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Ooh, ooh. Life is hard on the island. Ooh, ooh. It's starting to be a little trying. I'm so hungry. Cause we've finished all the noodle I'm so hungry Since we've eaten your pet poodle Oh no I'm so hungry We've had all the apples and all the strudel What can I eat now? I am so hungry Oh look over there Phil There's a coconut I want it. Uh, I want it too. Well, I'm going to get it. I think I'm going to get it before you. I don't think you are going to get it before me. I think I will, I think that's my coconut. I think it's my coconut, David. No, it's mine. Get away from the coconut, David. No, It's my coconut. That is my coconut. You know what, actually? You're looking pretty tasty yourself. No. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'll get the arms on you. Uh, Ah, uh, They were a great stew. Stop it! Stop it, you, you, you rotter! (laughs) Do you like competitions? I like competitions. If you like competitions, then please join our Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song competition and send in your submission for the competition to songsinthekeyoflaugh at gmail.com. That's songsinthekeyoflaugh at gmail.com. Join our competition. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's time for your favorite part of every show. <laughs> it's not my favorite part. It's your favorite part of every it's show. It's your favorite part. It's here on the Songs in the Key of Laugh. We interview some dynamic and fantastic uh, musical comedians and this week is no different very much but so tr- trigger warning if you don't like the c word 
Don't you, listen. This is Cunt and the, the Gang. The guest on today's Not show guest. is someone you might know. You and if you don't, that's your own fault. But you'll know them soon. You boy, you will. This jingle has been personalized uh-huh. for a guest that we hope that you recognize. And this week their name is Insert Name Here. It's Cunt and the Gang. Or, or is it the gang? Is it the gang or is it just cunt? I mean, what, how do we, what, do you get called cunt often? Call me cunt. I like it that way. Okay. <laughs> I'll call you cunt. Like, you know, because you go by K-Man, you go by Mr. Tuppence. What's Mr. Tuppence? Mr. That- Tuppence is my kid's entertainer pos- persona. But- <laughs> It's not much call for that these days. No, really. But so, uh, okay. Well, let, we'll come back to Mr. Tuppins. I want to know about Mr. Tuppins. So, so well, I'm going to call you cunt the entire time, or would you prefer to be called K-Man? I'll, I'll leave it up to you. If you think your listeners can handle an hour of cunt, because I, I sort of think once I start talking about the songs, it sort of gra- it very quickly it, it, goes downhill anyway. So I think it, you might right. as well just give them a baptism of cunt from the start. May as well go cunt, cunt straight in with cunt. Go full full cunt, I think. Hundred percent. Yeah, cunt. full full on cunt. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Do, do you mind? Do you mind if I call you K Man instead? <laughs> instead of um, instead of cunt. Uh, if that, David if has that a- makes you feel more comfortable. <laughs> comfortable with a capital K. Uh, but <laughs> I think this is going to be my my favorite interview that we've done on uh, songs of the key of laugh because I now I first came across uh, cunt and the gang. I first came across cunt. So you can't. There's nothing you can do, but it just it's going to lend itself. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it really does. It really does. It was. It was. Um, what was I? I, I sucked off a bloke. What's how's the song go? I. Uh, I sucked off a bloke I in brackets. Bloke. I didn't. I didn't like it. Some, some, <laughs> someone, someone sent that to me. Someone sent that to me just as a random friend. Actually, when I first moved to the UK, my a large group of my friends are from Essex. They're from Brentwood, and one of them uh, sent me that, thinking I'd find that funny. I did, obviously, um, very funny. But it was more the video. It was the actually the amount of time you'd taken on the video to make a like a funny video to go with it. So it wasn't just like a. It was. It, it sort of added a level of, of yeah. Um, the, the, the video, yeah. the video kind of came hand in hand with that because that that was it was a bit of an uh, anomaly that one because up until that point um, I'd been going for maybe like seven or eight years and I hadn't done any cover versions or parodies of existing songs. Right. But that was one that just kept tapping me and tapping me and going. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. And in the end, you know, I, I just kind of. I, I, I recorded it and just put it on a, on a B-side of one of my little EPs I was selling at gigs. But because right. I, play, I played it once or twice and it just went down a storm. And I, I don't know, it's one of them things that because it's a pre-existing song that people already know the format of and then you kind of subvert it, it sort of gives you a little head start into people's... People are already wanting to laugh at it before they find out what you've done with it. In musical comedy, parody is kind of the lowest form of like, you can just change a few words and then, and then the, and people know the 
song and they get into it and you get laughs out of it. However, that particular parody isn't, it's, it's not obviously it, it's elevated to another level because of the ruthlessness of the parody. Um, it doesn't, it, no, it didn't even strike me as being a parody when my friend sent it to me, he, but he's obviously been drawn to it because he just knows the other song and thought it was funny. Yeah. And, had not, and, and because you're from Essex, I guess he just thought uh, Essex, they, you know, you know how people in Essex sort of do support themselves and uh, love all things Essex. Essex. Do they? Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to get in with this group of friends of yours from Essex who are all really supportive of each other's work. Because you know, I've, I've lived there for fucking 49 years and I haven't found anyone that wants anyone else to get on. You've been hanging around the wrong people. You've been hanging around the wrong... you got to go to Brentwood, mate. I, I, yeah, they all seem so supportive in Brentwood. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's how Towie ended up there. The only way is Essex except for Brentwood because they just put up with anything. No, they just appear they're, to be supportive for TV's sake. Like, the minute them cameras stop rolling, they're all just... Like, they're going on TripAdvisor and slagging off each other's nail salons, <laughs> saying, I had a, a bad vajazzle there. <laughs> At one point, I was walking through Brentwood, there was, you know those um, fish tanks that you can get your feet eaten by fish. You oh, know, really? Another thing I'm talking about. Yeah, I know, I know, what, you, I know what you mean, but I think I've only ever seen that on, like, Kirby Enthusiasm. I didn't know it was a thing in England. Yeah, no, it, well, look, I only... The first time I saw it was in Thailand, which is where anything goes, but it's, it's basically a fish tank. You know what I'm talking about, David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fish tank. You put your feet in it, the fi- fish nibble all the dry, dry skin, skin off your... Yeah. yeah, and there was one point in Brentwood, there was three shops in a row with these fish tanks with people sitting... <laughs> but with people actually using them. I've never seen anyone actually use them. It's like them. an you, Essex aquarium. <laughs> like, you can, well, I'll tell you this, the women in Essex have very um, kissable feet. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you know, <laughs> when, when I used to go nightclub in Southend, you, you wouldn't have found any any girls with kissable toes there. <laughs> <laughs> they barely had kissable mouths. Um, so so you're from you're from Basildon. Yeah. I mean, you're already launched into a career of cuntishness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, a mean, pro- I'm a product of my circumstances and surroundings. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't mean to deride Basildon, but I have performed there and performed in a snooker slash um, strip club. I know, I know where that is. Well, yeah. What, do you know, do you, you know what's it called? It's called the Gentleman's Castle, I think. Oh, is it? I, I, it used to be called like. What was it called? Was it called Cats or something? Cats. Yeah, it was called Cats. Yeah, you know the one. I played it when it was Cats, and then I played it when it was the castle. There's a snooker club in the back where the gigs run presently, um, and it's a really they're a really nice gig, actually. Um, they're actually quite supportive of the comedy and up for a laugh, which is probably why um, you... I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm assuming but your sense of humour has come out of that sort of ability to just completely take the piss, which would be in turn why my friend from Essex sent me that clip, because he, he thought it was just ridiculous. Ridiculously funny. Would you think that's I, I, right? I think it's also if um, if you're seen to be taking anything seriously, everyone yes. goes ah, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, so so yeah, yeah, necessity. Yeah, but I yeah. also think that you know maybe the reason you found everyone supportive is because you've got this exotic accent. So they're yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> God, I haven't yeah. heard that before. Yeah, right. Whereas when I spent, I was like, oh, it's just that prick. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, when did all of this start? How did it all start? What what made you think, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to be a cunt. Do, do you know what? It's, it, but nothing ever happens like that, does it? It's a kind of gradual, a gradual kind of seeping in. Like, my, my, my old man was a builder. And so... 
you'd hear the most horrendous jokes, like all through my childhood, you know, yeah. you, the, the most horrendous, horrendous jokes. So I think I just developed a level of, um, a, what, what would you call it? Um, yeah, a level of numbness towards anything offensive. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, um, yeah, I started, started sort of writing silly parody songs, I suppose, like as a teenager. We're not really writing, you know, but just kind of like thinking, ah, if you did the words to that, you did the words to Brian Adams' Run to You as you're going to crap your pants or, so, or something like yeah. that, you know, <laughs> all, the, all the usual stuff. And then, um, uh, just, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't it. sound I'm... like it. It doesn't really work. But then when you're a teenager, you just like anything to do with, with poo, willies or bums is just like, the, you know, the, the funniest... Yeah. The, the funniest thing in the world and really I've just not yeah. really grown out of that and, you know. still are the funniest things in the world yeah they are they are the funniest things in the world so so you you were in a, a band called the Pubic Cube yeah yeah so so I started a um I started a, a sort of comedy punk band with yeah. uh, the group of us that used to, we used to hang around at uh, the tech college common room and okay. I'll, Half of us weren't on courses or anything. We'd just go there to kind of hang out, you know, where there was where there were some teenage girls. I will, I will say we were teenagers at this point. We weren't like yeah, fifty okay. year old yeah. men. Yeah. Um, and, and so we we all like a lot of us kind of silly silly sod sort of gravitated together, and we formed this band called Serious Problem, and it was sort of a comedy punk band. Uh, and punk purely, you know, really just because none of us could play instruments or anything. And so there was 14 of us. And I think out of that 14, only only four or five could play <laughs> instruments. And the rest were all just squabbling over two microphones. <laughs> and, uh, and and so that, that kind of went on for sort of four or five gigs. And then um, I, I met a mate who... who um, uh, met a mate through work called Andy who lived on the 13th floor of this block of flats and he had like a synth set up you know like a little home studio four track set up in his bedroom and yeah. and uh so you know went back round his for beers after work one week and he played some of the songs he'd been working on <laughs> and like they sounded like fucking Depeche Mode from this bloke that sort of lived on this 13th floor of these flats you know yeah. backing vocals a lot yeah and, right uh, and so I, I just kind of, you know, sort of started to aspire at that and, and he helped us get set up with, with a little kind of four-track keyboard set up and then I wow. just started recording my own stuff from there and it was me and Andy kind of formed a synth duo called Pubic Cube and we'd just go out and play, like, working men's clubs and talent competitions. But it was, it was a real, like, because of the kind of subject matter... I've, I've always liked writing songs about the stuff that other people don't really want to write songs about. You know, this is yeah, stuff you might yeah. talk about when you're down the pub with your mates and, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, the kind of things you wouldn't hear on daytime radio. Yeah. And, uh, and um, so we'd sort of play them out at these talent competitions and people would either love it or hate it. You'd, you'd get a really polarised reaction. People would either want to buy you a pint and be your best friend or, or punch you in the face in the car park. Right. I've got the image of you turning up at, like, the, the village fate. <laughs> <laughs> getting up and doing your your two keyboard uh two keyboard thing and just loads of 70 year old women going oh no oh dear yeah, th there have been a lot of occasions when it has actually been like that my my first my first ever um show at the edinburgh fringe i, I was you know like on a kind of comedy compilation slow, show uh, and it was pissing down a rain and um, I've sort of, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm playing I Sucked Off a Bloke and Chips or Tits to all these middle-aged shoppers that are just in sheltering from the, from the bad weather. 
and just and, and you know and died on my ass and just thinking, oh fuck, is this what the fringe is like? And you know, yeah, yeah, it is. It is after time. It is though, yeah. I, what I love about that story though is that you, in the middle of you doing that, you're actually thinking, oh, I'm dying on my arse, which is not actually. You'd think it, I, it, from now you're telling the story, it's heroic, but at the, <laughs> at, the, at the time it was painful. It was painful for you, even though you knew that you'd written the thing that was going to have that reaction. No, I, I kind of I think mean, though, like you know, as much as um, you know. I start. I started off doing it in his current form just to be as silly and offensive as possible. Yes. Yeah. But there's something deep inside you as a human being that yeah. wants acceptance. And so when <laughs> when you're playing this song about sucking off a bloke on a building site in front of a load of middle aged soaking wet women, you know, not soaking wet in the right way either. Um, and yeah, and, and and dying on your ass. There is a bit of you thinks, oh god, what am I doing with my life? But, <laughs> Well, oh, I yeah, God. we I had that experience when I was in Cork the Juice Pigs. We were playing an afternoon show at a college, and we do we did a song called "Burn Victim Girl," and um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and we got to that point. It was like they didn't. We were standing on t- tables, like the guy that booked it didn't even have it set up properly, so people were just eating their lunch, and we're singing singing away "Burn Victim Girl," and the whole place went completely quiet, and then like completely silent, and then someone started going, someone yelled fuck off and someone else went boo and that started like and we already know what, what we'd done like we knew it was like it was meant intended to be funny it was yeah. so over the top that how could you not how could you think we mean it and then we, we were packing up our stuff and the the janitor was there and he was like a fully full burn victim with like had like half an ear and he and he had his janitor outfit and he was pissing himself laughing he's went oh that was the funniest thing i've ever seen in my life because <laughs> i knew they all they know me and they take yeah. a piss out of me all the time but when you did it they suddenly felt like you can't yeah. do that you can't make fun they thought they thought you were making fun of me and that's what went wrong and he went but i knew that's not what was happening and he just was helping us put our stuff in the in the car going and he just was crying with laughter going that was so fucking hilarious it's brilliant and uh in a way what he i guess what he felt out of it is that the the people at the the, the gig um, were defending him even yeah. though he, he got laughed at made fun of and he's the janitor all this time it's actually they he, he finally felt like he was included in their group <laughs> they yeah. all hated us and got rid of us and that there's something about offensive comedy that does that that you either get it get into it enjoy it and become part of the group or you feel defensive of everyone else that's listening to it but but do you know what i, I think it is sometimes is i've i found it makes people angry yeah. Um, and and I sort of feel like, you know, having seen that a lot across the years, like especially like at the Edinburgh Fringe, because I was doing the, the free festival, you know, um, people haven't got always got that involved, uh, that investment where they've kind of gone and paid money for a ticket. And, and you might get a big group of people come and a couple of them just have a really terrible time. And yeah. they start off with their arms folded <laughs> and they get higher and higher and higher. And you'd see yeah. them like actual anger. You know, it made yeah. them really yeah. angry. But I think part of that is just not feeling part of the joke. And, you know, and if, if you don't understand what everyone else is laughing at and you feel excluded, that's where, where the anger comes from. I don't know. Yeah. Do, do you, as you talk about it and as you talk about those people whose arms steadily get higher and higher and higher in defence, um, you, you do have a slight grin on your face as well. Well, be, because <laughs> I, I, used to, I, I used to take it very personally, you know, and, and you'd think, 
oh, you know, like everyone else is having such a good time. Like, why, why are you there ruining it? You know, and also the 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 masochist in you <laughs> focuses on the one person in the room that's having the worst fucking night of their life. Absolutely. Um, but but then. I kind of learnt to embrace embrace the awkwardness of it and embrace their awkwardness, and it fired me up. And and you know, sort of my, my last few runs at the fringe, if there was someone who really wasn't enjoying it, I'd just single them out and just mm. say, like, mate, you're going to have to fucking get on board with this because otherwise, I'm just going to keep picking on you. And yeah, <laughs> you know, and and then you kind of get the power back, you know, and yeah. uh, and can kind of go on go on and do the rest of the gig unencumbered. Whereas if you're kind of watching them out the corner of your eye, just thinking, God, they're having a really terrible time, it does it does affect you. Yeah, I, I find, see. I'm I was thinking it made me think of uh, there's an American comedian called Neil Hamburger, who do, who's just it's just really uh, he's it's a character. It's quite obviously a character. He's got like yeah. a comb over and glasses and the suit. You know who he is. Yeah, and it's quite obvious meant to be funny. Offense. That's why it's funny. It's funny because it's offensive. But I I've seen him so many times where people get brought along, do not real somehow can't see that it's a character or 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 don't care whether it's a character and get so unbelievably offended by what he's doing and he similar to you has found a way of making that part of the uh, making it even more uncomfortable for them to the point where you people get up and leave i think he finds it funny yeah the character finds it funny if uh, and the reason, one of the things I enjoy is taking someone along. Like I take David along, going, "You got to watch Neil Hamburger." And then he's up there, and I'm sitting watching my friend going <laughs> to see how people react. You must, you must get that. Uh, that all the time. that was that was the sport for you know where I was. I was touring for sort of fifteen, nearly fifteen years. That was the sport for the people that would come back and see us year after year. Their sport would be watching the new yeah. people and their reactions and seeing the people yeah. that were going to like it and the people that weren't going to like it. And fuck me, like half the time, you know, you know, you'd see big groups of people just watching someone to see where, you know, see where their where their uncomfortableness and where their anger was going to go throughout the course of the gig. I've got theories. I mean, I know I don't really believe anything that I say half the time, but I've got theories on on offense because of of the nature of being a cork in the juice pigs. The and 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 we what we used to do is try we we would make each other laugh by being this, by making the joke that you make to your mate that you, you you know, your friend's a centered person. There's no way he actually would mean that offensively. So it feels okay to say it, to express it to a mate, but then you start expressing it to an audience. Um, you have to try and bring them in and make them feel like they're your friends. And yeah. you, you have, you have that ability to do that though, because you obviously, otherwise people would just be, storming out all the time and as neil hamburger people you do some people do leave but most people stay and get it and but, in, in but it's, it's it's not something you know as as i sort of discovered doing doing the fringe because i come from outside the comedy circuit i i didn't realize you know i, I didn't realize a lot of the skills of comedy you know and and about getting you know i, I didn't understand this thing about getting people on board with things um yeah. <laughs> until quite until quite late and it was only because i'd sort of you know, I, I toured my, found my own little circuit of band venues and pubs, and just used to play that. And more people would come along, and you know, and through through doing the videos on YouTube, people kind of got on board. So I always understood the thing about you know, you start off your set with the kind of ones to kind of draw them in, and by the end, you know, they're all stood up on their feet, clapping and cheering as you sing about the rape of a paper boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But but sort of what what I didn't realise at, 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 
you know, I, I, you, you sort of get, you, you know, you get sucked, sucked into that and feeling like it's acceptable. And it's only when you kind of do the short, you know, the short kind of sets at the fringe as part of a compilation show and you put something that's in the latter half of your setting to, you know, into a 10 minute set and you sort of do it to a dry audience in the afternoon and you're like, oh, fucking hell, maybe that isn't acceptable. Perhaps I've just become desensitised to it. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's purely because you haven't had the chance to go through that process of getting them on, on board with it before you kind of hit them with the hard stuff. Mm. So, so how did you get into the live scene? Like, did, did, was, it, was it on from the YouTube videos or, or how, how did you get into um, it? Well, to, to start off with, I was just kind of, I was playing like band venues, like locally in Basildon. And then it was just at the time that MySpace and YouTube were, were kind of kicking off. And so I set up a MySpace profile and started making YouTube videos like in about 2005, 2006. And then um, from that, I kind of started to get like little band venues kind of contacting me and saying, will you come and play in Leicester and Liverpool? And then I, I started to kind of piece together my own own little tours. But they were always like band venues and pubs, you know, never kind of comedy clubs. It sort of grew like the wildlife of Australia, you know, completely independent to, you know, a, a scene. You know, it just sort of developed on its own. And, and that was the strange thing about it was the people that kind of come to see it were quite a disparate group of people, you know, from various kind of scenes and age ranges. And what they had in common was like just a sense of humour or wanting to laugh at things that you didn't always hear sung about yeah yeah i remember i mean it's become more difficult i don't want to continue this whole conversation to be about the offensive nature of the act either because i don't think that's fair i don't i i personally don't think that's fair but it, you must be and we entering into an era of of uh people being knee-jerk reaction with social media and everything the things that you used to do was myspace you probably i mean do you just fly in the face of it and just go i'm going to I'm going to do whatever I want, or are you thoughtful about your approach to it? I don't know. I think in a way I always have been thoughtful of my approach, but sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll kind of work on the basis of sometimes if you feel like it's a good idea, you just have to do it before you talk yourself out of it. Right. Be because, you know, I, I know like se several of the, the songs that I would play towards the end of my set and you wouldn't play at the start of your set, I had sat on a, you know, just sat on my computer for four or five years before I felt that, you know, well, I never really felt comfortable enough to put some of them out, but some of them I just recorded them just to see what they were like and I didn't really have any intention of putting them out because I thought maybe they were just the other side of, you know, whatever that line of acceptability is. But then right. when you actually take them out and play them and see, you know, the laughter and joy it brings people, you think, fucking hell, I... If I'd have self-censored that one, no one, no one would have heard that. And like some of those ones ended up being the most, most popular ones out of my, out of my back catalogue. It's quite a back catalogue as well. You've got is it, is ten it, albums, ten, ten, ten albums more. I'm, I'm not quite sure how many it is, but it's, it is lots. When I first started going, I've, I've got a mate who kind of runs an independent record label, and um, uh, I, I think I was just, I was just about to release my second album. And I said to him, have you got any, any, you know, any tips for us that can kind of get us ahead of the game a bit? And he said, mate, you've just got to like, be consistent and just keep putting records out. He said, you just need to have a big back catalogue because every time you release something, you'll get knock-on sales for the others and that's how, how you make a living out of it. And so I sort of, you know, 
took that to heart and just tried to I tried to do an, an album a year or every every couple of years you know like when you're touring a lot it's sort of hard hard sometimes to kind of get in the zone to get all you know to be because touring sort of different you know you're in a different kind of headspace um but it, it's become a lot easier since you know since iPhones because no matter where you are, you can put your ideas down. Whereas before, you were kind of trying to hum them round and round before they disappeared off into the ether. So mm. now, when I write a new album, I kind of go back, and you've got two years worth of like, but you know, a, a single line or a song title or, or whatever to kind of mime through for your for your starting points. It is good advice because it means just keep writing everything, all your ideas down, write them all down, and they all become usable at some point. And uh, and to to put something out, to put something out regularly, to to constantly create stuff, whether you are or not, not not censor yourself and hold back. That's really good advice. Um, are you are you like do you you play what what do you play? Do you play piano? Do you play guitar? How do you how do you go about writing songs? Like do you do you start with an idea? I'm I'm not a not a musician. I I kind of just I, I play I I I sort of play keyboards to record into the computer. But I will, I'm not of any kind of proficient standard where I could perform a song on the keyboard for you. You know I, right. I don't I don't play two handed or anything. But my you know it's take it's taken a long while to kind of say to myself you are a songwriter. You know yeah. and I yeah. think you know I I had to write two hundred songs before I felt. You know, oh, actually, I am a, I am a songwriter. I always just thought I was just someone who just got these, you know, got got these ideas. But those ideas are, you know, turning turn into songs. Yeah, and and I you kind of craft the craft of it. You sort of learn learn along the way. Yeah, I think there's when when you are creating stuff, it's like how how much of it do you need to have before you can kind of give yourself that that title how, how many songs do you need to have written to be a songwriter how, how many how many minutes do you have to have of stand-up before you can say that you're a stand-up how many times have you must you have performed it um because up until that point i guess there's just a massive imposter syndrome that that is kind of sat upon your shoulder have you have you ever had that film i still have it yeah. I mean, I still sometimes, depending on the 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 uh, the mood or if I haven't eaten or whatever whatever it is, where I think I just I'm, I've been an imposter and I shouldn't I shouldn't be doing it, but, but not like as a songwriter. I'm, do you know Wayne Shepherd, um, Gary Lestrange? Yeah, yeah, that and, that was um, uh, what the, the the reason I kind of went up to Edinburgh was you know I just kind of went up and I saw Gary Lestrange up there uh, mm. and, and was just like fucking hell, I, I should be doing this, you know. It, yeah, found it really, really inspiring. His show. He wrote all of the music on a on a PS4 or whatever. Like he he used a he used a his gaming box. He had the ideas. Yeah, and he had the same. He said the same thing to me. He'd never felt like he never thought of himself as a songwriter. But I mean, his production and all this stuff is amazing. He now does um, music for television. He, he composes um, you know incidental music for horror films and stuff oh, right. like that and, and i mean but he's gone but he still doesn't think of himself as being a musician and it's really it's it's bizarre to me um and did, when you saw gary lestrange did, did you just thought did you see someone what i saw was someone being so free like so exp, uh, he was doing something really different wasn't he yeah um, when i saw him it was the third show beef scarecrow which was yeah. just off the chain, <laughs> fucking mental. Mental. Like his, his, yeah. his character had kind of obviously like had a drug-induced breakdown and kind of come back with yeah. this psychedelic third album. But yeah. but from from that, I kind of you know 
chased back to the first and second albums, which are, you know, yeah. they're just they're just brilliant. And it's 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 sort of parody, but without you know, but but parody in a genre. And like especially from someone that grew up with kind of electronic, you know, that kind of electronic eighties music was you know completely soundtrack my childhood and, and teenage years. To see someone parody mm. in such fantastic detail and be absolutely fucking mm. on the mark but without being che- you know without being cheesy or crass yeah it was just so yeah. fucking funny just so funny so he'd written it on a playstation yeah um i think that now on, on an ipad um or on on any any computer at all you are you 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 can be a musician because you are learning the art of a particular of a particular instrument and yeah. the instruments have just changed um so you you don't have to play the guitar you don't have to play the piano to be able to make all of these amazing sounds but the fact that you are making them and that they sculpt themselves into a song it it it's you are you are therefore a proficient musician um yeah and, and i mean what the stuff that you make is it is is on point as well it's i i am a session musician i'm, I'm a session piano player if yeah. i heard your when i when i've listened to your stuff i've gone somebody you've you've got you've got a musician in the background making all of this all come come together and stuff but is, is it all just you I, I, i'm 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 pleased pleased you think that but i've completely hoodwinked you <laughs> um, yeah well that's no but that's great that's this is exactly what i was thinking when i when i listened earlier i was like i bet it's him but it's it's really good Oh, but but you know, I'll, to it, any bits that you think sound like they've done by a musician, I would have had to slow down to fifty-one BPM and then, and then <laughs> speed, speed them back up. <laughs> Brilliant! I have to do that sometimes anyway, so that's all right. Yeah. Um, so I think there's. I've got one quick question about the. Um, we I, we know we said we were going to move on from from uh, from how offensive. Um, some of the material comes across as has it worked or have you tried it abroad uh, yeah <clears throat> well sort of um, I went to Australia in 2013 and done um, Adelaide Fringe and then like a little show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and I was sort of I was quite surprised um, that in Australia I found the audiences to be more conservative than over here with their kind of general general mindset like because we're, we're sort of you know sort of growing up in the 80s we were sold the fosters no worries mate thing you know and, yeah, and yeah. the blokes from the castle main forex you know putting one bottle yeah. of wine on for the ladies and it collapsing the cart but yeah I, I found over there if you kind of you know sort of especially touching on religion or or um you know the pedoph- pedophilia um they were just like no no i'm not having that mate and you're like mm. Oh, fucking hell, you know, like over here, you know, everyone's waving their arms about and, and singing along to them ones. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, there, there were, there, there, I definitely found over there, like that line was, you know, no, mate, don't go there. No, anything but kids, mate, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've lost cunt in the gang as a, as a moniker. Uh, or you 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 dropped it in like 2016 or 17 or something. Yeah. Was there what? Why why did you why did you do that? Um, sort of it in retrospect, I think I think I just kind of burnt out by by doing too many gigs in in a short space of time, and mm. and also, um, the the tours were you know I, I know I wasn't playing 
a quarter of the gigs that some comedians do every year. But yeah. I was playing gigs in places with no green room or changing rooms. And so you're getting changed in a toilet cubicle yeah. with a river of yeah. piss on the floor, like, you know, yeah. trying to stand on one shoe so you don't get piss on the hem of your, <laughs> hem of your onesie. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and also I was, I was touring around in a full fiesta on my own for, for most of that time. And so yeah. you turn up at the pub and you're on from the minute you get there uh, and, and you do banter from, you know, from half past six until you kind yeah. of go on stage at 10 o'clock. And yeah. then you come off and flog all your own merch and, and mm. do banter until you kind of get in the car door with the yeah. last couple of piss people like fucking Dawn of the Dead going like... Ooh! Yeah. You know, up up against yeah. the windows of the car, and you just trying to get the door locked quickly, <laughs> um, and ultimately doing that, doing that every night. I think I think just fucking took the took the joy out of it away. But the the touring is where you earn earn the money, and yeah. so you know. I've, it's taken it's taken me like to have to stop touring to make me realise I do enjoy I do enjoy playing gigs. What mm. I enjoy most is sitting here at the computer and that kind of creative process of you know taking your idea and and crafting it into a song and where that you know where those little uh, stars of inspiration that kind of come out the sky and just kind of land while you're while you're making the songs. That's the bit I really love. But the the, the you know the, the touring obviously it's good to go and play them and see pe- see people's reaction. But I just think. Um, what 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 maybe I'd do differently is I would have just picked and chosen the gigs a bit more carefully in the in the last few tours, and I think that might have dragged it out. Um, but every time I tried to kind of shorten the tours down and make them a little bit more manageable, you'd kind of you know get people go, oh, but can't they're going to really miss you in Swindon? And you'd go like, oh, all right then, and you'd you'd kind of end up you'd end up you know also kind of working for yourself. It always just felt really fucking weird turning work down, you know, and yeah. and you know, and having work like doing painting and decorating and various, you know, work work doing odd jobs for the council and all those things, sort of up and you know, in, into my kind of thirties. Um, the idea of turning down two hundred and fifty quid to just go and be on stage for an hour just felt a bit uh, felt a bit weird, you know, mm. and and I don't think I really got out of that mindset, and it was only kind of finishing it. And then going, oh fuck, you know, I do actually miss playing live. That that you kind of think, well, maybe I should have just like. I always thought wellness was a load of bollocks, but it turns out it's you know through through the pandemic, a lot of us have realised that it is actually a thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not you're not planning to go into children's entertaining then anytime soon. I could, you know, <laughs> it's it's nice to be able to have that as a string to me bow that you know to fall to fall back on. Yeah, but no, bring no, Mr. Not... Tuppence back for sure. <laughs> T- Tuppence could be back any time. I've still got the suit and the makeup. <laughs> so the so you uh, Boris Johnson's a cunt. He is, isn't right? he? Yeah. Oh, and, I, and on top of that, that, you've yeah. written a song about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two songs. Two songs. In fact, Boris Johnson is still a cunt. Uh, went to number five. Is that right? At yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Right. So, so like, Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt. Went yep. to number five in Christmas 2020, and right. then Boris Johnson is still a fucking cunt. Went to number five in Christmas 2021. Great, amazing. Great. And I think that's really says a lot about how we feel about him. That it's maintained a five, like top five level. I mean, do, do, I, I think in a lot of ways he's more of a cunt than last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But the trouble, I, like he has the. I, th- I think had had it come out maybe this week. Now that we know more about his one and cheese, it might have gone to number two, number one. But but you know the the idea of you know he's he's back catalogue of fucking corruption and lies, and the idea that his wine and cheese has pushed us over the edge. He's very British, isn't it? <laughs> it is, very it British. really is. It really is him, him. Him paying someone to beat someone up didn't get him the the attention that the wine and cheese got him. No, it's, it's, you know. it's, it's crazy. I mean, I know it's like a kind of cumulative effect, but if every time he does something, it's the worst. It's the worst thing he's done, you know. But I, I, I always think, you know, like when you see people smack their kids in a supermarket, and you think, fucking hell, well, if they're doing that in front of everyone, I wonder what they're doing at home. Like, yeah. this is just the stuff we've found out about. Like yeah. what the fuck? Are, there, there's definitely others. There's there's other stuff out there. But I think the way the media works is they don't give you it all in one go, do they? They just kind no, of drip, drip, feed. drip it, and until you know, and, until all the right wing tabloids are ready for him to go, and then they'll turn on him as well. Yeah, yeah, which is hopefully soon. I, I mean, ho- hopefully, but. You know, like, I, I always think, like, you know, like when Richard Hillman, the, the serial killer, left Coronation Street and when Mrs. Mangle left Neighbours, you always <laughs> think, oh, they're so awful, these people. I really want them to go. But then when they're gone, it's just like you're left with this hole in your life that you haven't got anyone to hate. <laughs> but, um, but looking at the leadership, the yeah, um, prospective leadership candidates, you know, there'll be someone step forward. Do you, are you, I mean, I don't know much about... Uh, your personal politics. I'm assuming from that song that you are you to find just do you do you side with a left or right? Do you, do you know what I when when I when I released the song last year, I didn't think it was a political song. Right. You know, I, I thought it was right. just a statement of fact. And you know, and, and I quite like the idea of, of of you know of someone serving me with court papers and me getting a chance to prove why he was a fucking cunt. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't think it was a, a, a political thing. And people naturally assume that because, you know, because you attack the right, that you're from the left. But I just think that the whole system is so badly fucked. And, and every election seems to be about, well, if you don't vote for them, then they're going to get in. And so you're just forced to choose who's the least biggest cunt every time. And the, <laughs> the, the, the systems, you know, it's the system that's broken. And, and the fact that we've only got Labour and, and the Conservatives to choose from, and no one ever, you know, the people in power are the only ones that are going to be able to change it. And they never will because it'd be turkeys voting for Christmas. So we're all just stuck in this dysfunctional, broken system that just feels like it's going to go on forever until there's a revolution. Which... Well, do you think that? Do you think that's why? Do you think that's why the people of the Northeast, who are mostly working class, mostly working class people, voted for Brexit, not because they actually thought it might have been a good idea, not necessarily because they're all racist, not but they actually just wanted to see some kind of change. They didn't know uh, what it was going to be, but they thought it's just like tipping over the the um, the, the the fruit cart just to see what happens, right? I, I I think that is part that is part of it. But you know, you've also got Nigel Farage in there, who somehow has hoodwinked people into thinking that he's a proper person like us because he <laughs> yeah. because he's got a pint of beer in his hand. But he's not. He's a wealthy banker and and he's a dangerous narcissistic cunt. Um, you know, and and. He he just stokes the fire and then just fucking stands back and uh, you know and watches it burn and ultimately, you know, Brexit was about lots of people being told that they could take back control, 
and and it was to do I, I think like largely to do with immigration and and people confuse that immigration with Muslim immigration and mm. you know and uh, and the way society's changed you know and Nigel Farage's rosy painting of the the golden era of Britain when everyone was leaning on their fences talking to their neighbours and everything was great but it's you know it's all just it's all just bollocks and people were just sold a big lie I think and mm. that's why people get so angry about it is because it's horrible to feel like you've hoodwinked and there's something in us as British blokes that will argue that fucking point that we were right even though we know deep down that we were we were fucking hoodwinked the idea that someone's put one over on you is just too much for people to take I I. Do I want you to take a little bit of um? There's a little bit of pride that I feel um from uh, yesterday. I was going through Facebook, and as I went through, there was an ad for you know um uh, for Cameo. It, yeah. it wasn't Cameo. It was another another thing. But who was on there? But Nigel Farage, and uh, it is said. I could he could do a he could do a message for anybody's valentines and I just, <laughs> I just it made me it made me die inside I was like would somebody actually do that but you know they they might do That's... but no but who's been doing someone's been playing that trick on Farage by getting him to do put um they uh, who was it it's uh it's someone that plays pranks it might it might have been someone broadcast someone but getting to send messages because he just reads the messages because it, it, it you write the message he reads it takes him two minutes he makes 30 quid because <clears throat> he's, he's that desperate and they were putting in um white supremacist language all the way through like slipping it in and making him say things he didn't even like like kind of kind of like you know, chris morris doing the cake thing where they, he's saying stuff he doesn't even realize what is he's saying yeah. Yeah. And then showing it to everyone to show to show what an absolute absurd human being he is. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fuck. It, you know, it's just a fucked up world that Nigel Farage is on cameo, and you know, I mean, it might be it might be a bit of a laugh, mightn't it, getting him to do a Valentine's message? I don't think that's how <laughs> my partner would see it. Uh, <laughs> uh, if if you um if you were to you're so. Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt was not a political song which I can see that um but do you think like it's like a punk movement I'm going to say the things I'm not supposed to say I'm going to do things I'm not supposed to do there are a lot of people that are anarchistic that might find you a uh, sort of a figurehead I I don't, I don't know no I, I don't I don't think really anyone listens to what I'm saying I I, I think because right, okay. you know I I've my I, I wouldn't call it a career, but you know my my <laughs> existence in the last twenty years has kind of existed so far outside of the mainstream of uh, of yeah. what's going on. I've, uh, yeah. You know, no one really li- no one really listens to what I say, and that's why I can sort of say what I like because you know there, there, there's there's no comeback because the. the Christmas showed, you know, a song called Boris Johnson is still a fucking cunt was in the top five of the charts, and no newspapers reported on it. Be- yeah. Because, be, you know, because I, I think it's so outside of what that comf- comfortable worldview that the, the tabloids sell to their readers, you know, they, they just don't don't bother with it. You know, and I do yeah. understand it's, it's got swear words in and stuff, so it's hard it's hard to report on. But I still think that that is news. You know, if 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 a completely unknown song from an unknown artist had got in the top five, I think that'd be news. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I I think I think 
um because there was there was a lot written about it actually like this um the, the last year especially there was a lot written about the fact that this song had done so so well and um it i i found it amazing seeing that there were all of these letters blocked out um for for a song in the top five but it made it look like it had extra stars to it so um <laughs> <laughs> it looks extra shiny um i i, I find it I find it phenomenal that uh, that a comedy song has managed to do that, though. And I mean, you must be uh, twice, not once, but twice. Does it does it make you proud? Like, yeah, there, 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 there's a Grammy for comedy songs. I, I like you got to the top five twice. I don't understand why you're not why you're not being talked about for a Grammy for it. It's, it's uh, you know, it, but I, I kind of think they weren't really they weren't really. I, I wouldn't have called them comedy songs, you know. They were just they were just sweary sweary protest songs. <laughs> sweary protest. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, it's a but, bit like Tim Minchin's song about the Pope. You yeah. know, it's not really a comedy song, but it makes me laugh. You can't you can't not smile and laugh when you hear it. No, but yeah. there's some there's some there's some great lines in that. You know, and 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 there, I think there's more. You know, there is definitely more comedy in that than there, there is in my my two uh, my two top five hits. But the the. the <laughs> I like saying it like that, but, but yeah, yeah, good. You should. The, 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 point, this, the like... point of it was just, you know, to give give a very clear message that wasn't bogged down in why I think he's a cunt. Yeah. You know, just yeah. just to kind of say, just to kind of give people the opportunity to go. Well, do you know what? I think I think he's a cunt as well. So let's let's do something about it because if you don't do something, you do nothing. You know, and at least it yeah. kind of gave people something to hang their hat on and just a, you know, just a platform to voice their anger and frustration about it. I, I reckon the door is the door is wide open for when he does go though. The door is wide open for you to really stick the knife in and get yourself a number one there. I, I will be fully behind it. If, if you need somebody to play the piano at 130 BPM, I can do it. What? I'm keen in real time. <laughs> fucking hell! I know, right? In real time. <laughs> right. So, Go another question quickly. Um, in Edinburgh. Um, uh, I, as I walked around, um, saw lots of, lots of, would you call it artwork, Philip? Oh, well just, oh, yeah. Um, it was that one year where you, you put your sticker on to other people's posters and, and it got, it took, it, it, uh, people took offense with it. I personally what? found it very highly amusing. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did because otherwise it'd be the elephant in the room. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Can I just can I just clear up that it wasn't me putting the stickers on the posters? I just got I gave them out and told people to do it, to and do then it. they just <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, yeah. they went and did it. But I, I, I thought that everyone would just take one one because the stickers were shaped like cocks and bollockses, yeah, uh, like crudely drawn cock and bollocks. And and um, the idea was because I was too lazy to give out flyers, people would use the stickers, you know, instead to stick over the other acts' posters, and that would help promote my show. But yeah. um, I, I thought everyone at the gig would take one sticker, you know, and go and place it carefully on you know, on the poster of their choice. Yeah. But in the first few days, people were just grabbing big handfuls. And so, like, within, within a week, there were, like, hundreds and hundreds of these crudely drawn cocks on all the posters all over Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah. And all the, all the people that had spent, you know, hundreds and thousands of pounds on their big posters on these poster sites, obviously, yeah. you know, took up to Cumbridge at seeing picture of them with their mouth open and a crudely drawn cock in it yeah who who who, who took it the worst or was there some one or two people that took it really badly um well i, I got um within within a 
was it within five or six days, uh, Alex, who, who was running the free festival, um, yeah. called me up and said, listen, mate, you're going to have to stop giving them stickers out because he'd had like the, the fringe, you know, fringe central on, on his case <laughs> and they'd had Avalon and who else was it? Avalon and Underbelly threatening, threatening to be in, threatening legal action. And um, <laughs> then there was like, but one of my mates who was a comedian sort of drinks in all the bar, all the bars where the comedians drink said like, She'd heard a group of people going, well, that prick's going to get his comeuppance. He's going to be sued for 50 grand. Oh, I heard it was three grand. No, 50 grand. Um, And then I got got shoved up against the wall by one angry comedian who hadn't even had a cock put on his poster, but it was the (laughs) idea. He, He said, if I see one of those cocks on one of my posters, I said, well, no one's actually put one on yours yet. But it was just the idea of his face coming into contact with a cock made him that angry. He's grabbed me, <laughs> grabbed me and shoved me up against the wall. Tell us who it was. Who um, was it? <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I don't oh know nothing. God. I don't know who he is or, or, no, no, or it's just funny. anything he's, about he's, he's him. Quite a, he's quite a, quite a mild-mannered guy. It's just really funny. That <laughs> Not on that occasion he wasn't. He was really... He had, he had the fuck. He had the fire in his eyes. I could see little reflections of cocks on his retinas. <laughs> but it did. But it did win you the Malcolm Hardy Award. I've got it up on my mantelpiece. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, so this is this is my favourite part of the interview. Uh, it's where we hear um, we hear a song from from our artist. Yeah, so- see, my favourite part of the interview was was introducing cunt. And my favourite is, where, is but, where I get to hear you do do a song. <laughs> so that, that's great. It just shows that what's, it's our favourite part of the show. What's the name of the song? Um, I've had trouble picking just one song to do, but I've, I've settled with this one. It's, it, uh, it's called It's Just a Butterfly. It's Just a Butterfly by Cunt. The Cunts, Cunt and the Gang, Cunt, Mr. Cunt, Cunt, Cunt and the Gang. As long cunt as there's some cunt in it somewhere, it's me. <laughs> my mate Jim's mum's funeral and I wanted to attend so he knew that I was there for him in this tough time for my friend the service was quite beautiful and as we looked at the flowers outside I put my arm round my old mate as he read the cards and cried then a butterfly landed on a flower My friend took comfort in the sight He said it was as if somehow his mum Was telling him she was alright I was quite moved by his words But I couldn't let it pass So I said to him Oh fuck off Jim, you're talking out your ass." It's just a fucking butterfly, a butterfly, a butterfly. It's not your mum, it's a butterfly. It's no more than a beautiful moth. It's just a fucking butterfly, a butterfly, a butterfly. If you're seriously telling me that's your mum, then you can fuck right off. Cos there's a worm and there's a slug. There's a load of ants and a little bug. And you haven't said that they're your mum, so get this in your head. There's no such thing as angels, fairies, saviour Jesus and how Mary 
noise It's all made up to try and make you feel better Cause when you're dead, you're dead Now stop being such a big fucking baby And let's go for a pint <laughs> Uh, and that's uh, that's Cunt from the Gang, and it's just a butterfly. Thanks for joining us on Songs of the Key Alive, Cunt. It's really, really nice to speak to you. My pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. Cheers, no, buddy. No, no worries. See you. Bye. Nice Bye. One. Cheerio. Goodbye, adios, farewell. You'll be glad to hear that we think that your interview went well. But we have other things to get on with now, so you're gonna have to go. I'm sure our paths will cross again, but whoever really knows? It's been fun, it's been musical, it's been comical at times. But now we have to leave you, so goodbye. Goodbye! I'd like to add how sincere that laughter sounded at the end of the song before you've actually heard it. I'm never gonna believe anything I ever hear on podcasts again. Well, that brings us to the end of Songs in the Key of Laugh for another week. It does. Fantastic. That was Cunt in the Gang. I love that, man. He's an erudite. Well, he's a special. That's a special. Erudite. Very good word there, Thank Phil. you very much. Yeah, you've Thank been you. reading the dictionary, haven't you? I have. You I have. have. <laughs> I've had my finger in the dictionary. Hey. Don't make me eat you, David. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to see more or hear more from Cunt in the Gang, why not visit their website, cuntthegang.co.uk. And at that website, you can buy Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt t-shirts and shoulder bags. And don't forget to continue to send in your submissions to the Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song contest. And please keep supporting us at patreon.com forward slash songs in the key of laugh. Or buy David and his baby a coffee at coffee.com forward slash songs in the key of laugh. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. That'll do. <laughs> right, this is it. Do your balls hang low? Can you swing them to and fro? Can you tie them in a knot? Can you tie them in a bow? Do you get a funny feeling when they're hanging from the ceiling? Or you'll never be a sailor if your balls hang low.